it's what we're talking about this morning is is a part, I believe, of, of where God wants us to go. There's a provision that God brings us by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the power of the blood of Jesus that we have to avail ourselves to. And so there's something that's been appropriated. It's been made available to us, but we have to decide that it's ours in order for it to become ours. There's no end to it, but we have to... to so fasting is a way of doing that. It's, it's a way of, of putting something else to the side and saying, no, God's going to be bigger than anything else in my life. Snickers, Big Macs. I don't like Big Macs that much, but man, I do like a big hamburger, though. You know, the kind that are real? When I was 12 years old, I, I got to work out on this ranch, and I lived, and I, and I wanted to drive the tractors out in the field. You know, I grew up in eastern Colorado, so there's all these farmers and everything. Um, but I, but I drove a tractor through a fence and I, I did a couple of the things that he's not going to do very well out in the field. So they put me in the basement with these cowboys and, uh, they put me on a horse, you know, the horse already knows what he's going to do. I don't even have to tell him what to do. I just get to go along for the ride. That was the most fun I had ever in the summer, uh, was, was riding those horses out on this ranch, you know, but man, they made these hamburgers and they were mostly raw, but man, they were, they were thick old hamburgers. Isn't that something how you can remember, remember those? Kind? I've forgotten a lot of things about when I was 12 years old, but I remember those big hamburgers. <laughs> so anyway, how many are glad that we're into a new year? Uh, it, it's kind of good to be into this next year, but you know what? Uh, last year, we were glad that we were getting into last year. You know, we, we didn't know what we were up to, you know, isn't that funny? But, but this is something, you know, I'm finding that the more gray hairs I get on my head, the more I realize that all this is, is a point in time when we can look back and see what we've chosen to do with our life over this past year. And I think it's important for us to be able to do this because there, there's so much potential that we have. And, and here's the danger. Again, the more gray hairs we get, or even before you start getting gray hairs, this can happen, is you can, be, you can get to the place where you're not uh, doing anything about the change that can come in the coming year. So, so here's the danger I believe that we might have as Christians is to just say, oh, God's going to make some wonderful things happen for us this year. And you know, God's going to do some awesome things, but how does he do it? He does it through us, doesn't he? We have a part to play. Amen. You know, we had communion this morning, and, and Jesus laid down his life. He allowed his body to be broken, the blood to be poured out. But it's to no avail until we make ourselves accessing it. Amen? So there's something for us to do in that. Um, so I want to I address this this morning because I think it's a, it's a challenge for us in our whole life. But I want to look at it in this coming year because I think that we need to be positioned for God's moving in this coming year. And it's going to need to be something where we are on the side of taking what God has for us. Amen. Sometimes we just want to, we just want to say, we want to go up and have hands laid on us. You know, and this is good. We need, to, we need to have hands laid on us. But sometimes we need to say, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grasp it. It's going to be mine. In fact, once you have come into fellowship with God, 
The, the challenges that you have that are the greatest are going to be, need to be overcome by your taking hold of something that you already have. And here's, here's the challenge. You know, what, this is the time of year for what? Resolutions, right? What are resolutions usually? Something you're going to change in your life, right? <laughs> How many have ever had a resolution? Well, now usually, do they fizzle? And <laughs> doesn't take too long. Because usually a resolution is a complete change of lifestyle that you've You've seen somebody else do or <laughs> you've seen, seen a poster of or something, you know, you got an email about or something, you know, and think, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. But you, and, and you're really motivated to do it when you first see it. In fact, the first uh, trip to the gym might be really inspiring, you know. You see all those muscle guys and you think, yeah, that's how I'm going to be. Yeah, cool. And then you find out that, man, you're sucking air and, you know. With, with every promise, with every pursuit that there's going to be victory, there's going to be a challenge that persecutes your flesh in order for it to take place. And God is not separate from that truth. Everything that you're going to inquire in Christ is going to be something that you have to take by force. It's going to be up to you to do it. Amen? So... I've got kind of one point here this morning. I'm, I'm going to try to keep it to one point. Can we? It's going to be kind of a long point, but can we? Can we just? All right, let's get excited for this point, okay? So I, I had this thing. My, my introduction to this to this word I want to look at here this morning. The, the first introduction that I can remember was when I was playing basketball, and I played basketball. Um, junior high and a couple years in high school, and I think this. I think this. My introduction to this was my eighth grade year, I believe. And, um, you know, we practiced hard. I, we, I had a, a basketball hoop in our driveway. And, and the, the thing about Texas that is such an advantage is you don't have to snow, uh, scoop snow off the driveway to practice your hoops, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the basket actually lets the ball go through because it's not frozen, you know. But I practiced... I, I actually had a shot. Um, I don't know if there's not really... Hunter might be able to validate. I kind of had a shot, right? You could tell that I practiced a little bit. <laughs> till, till he got taller than me, I, I, could, uh, I could put in a three-pointer a few times. <laughs> hey, I was looking for a little support here. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I did play. And... Um, Eastern Colorado, you have to drive for hours sometimes to get to a school. You know, I think, I think they have buses here, but they don't go very far. You know, they just, you know, you, there's so many people around here. Well, I would, we would have to drive clear up to the northern part of Colorado sometimes. And there was a, there was a school up there. It was the town of Brush. I don't know if anybody's heard of the town of Brush in Colorado. Doesn't sound like much, does it? Well, Burlington wasn't either, but... But uh, uh, brush was, was a challenge in basketball. And, and, you know, it was back when the shorts were tight, you know, and the, and the socks were long and <laughs> had stripes on the top and everything, you know. 
But Brush, they were cooler than everybody else. They actually had like t-shirts instead of, you know, um, I was going to say muscle shirts. <laughs> She's saying, no, don't say it, don't say it. Instead of your normal basketball, you know, they actually had, they had, they were innovative. And I think they might have actually started loosening the shorts a little bit and everything else. But we, I remember we took the long trip up to Brush and we're all pumped up. We've been practicing. We've been doing everything. And we get out on the court and what Brush is playing is not basketball, according to what we're familiar with. Now, basketball according to what I'd known from that point, was a gentleman's sport. You make a basket, you go down to the other end of the court, and you wait for the team to come down to meet you, and then, and then you give them some defense. Well, Brush had a different idea. This was not a gentleman's sport. We were introduced to the press. And what the press does is as soon as you pass the ball in to the first guy, two defenders are on him. They're not letting him. And, and so he, he freaks out. So he throws it to the guy he thinks is open, and, and they're ready for him. And they intercept the ball every single time. Every single... There's no way around it. So I think we got beat by... I think they scored over 100 points. Now, in, in junior high, this, you know... I don't even know if we got down to the other end of the court. You know, it's like. So what did we do in practice that next week? <laughs> we, said, we started, we had to find out what this thing was. And there was a way to defeat it. But you had to know how to do it. And to know how to do it, you had to do it yourself. You had to, you had to press yourself. Then you had an understanding of what was coming against you. Now, here's the thing about the press. Like I told you, they beat us. They crushed us. But you know what? They were, their guys were coming in and out because it's hard work. You got to run and get to, the, to this defender. And then when they throw the ball, you got to run. And you got to cover the whole court. And you got to be moving. And you got to be working hard. For the press to work, you have to be willing to do what it takes. It, it can't be something you sit back and say, I like the gentleman's version. Right? <laughs> then it's all about shooting. But no, it's all about defense. Right? In fact, your defense becomes your offense. Right? I believe that there's, there's an understanding that we need to get that the enemy is coming at us from every side. Sometimes we don't even realize we're in a, in a we, we got 100 points against us and we don't even know what's happened, you know? And it's because he never sleeps, he never stops, he's always coming, he's always telling lies, right? So it's up to us to learn what this press is. And say, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the press. Right? We're going to take it to the enemy. And we're not going to listen to our bodies when our body says, I just like a cold drink on the bench for a while. Right? 
We're not listening to that. Why? Because me, winning means something to me. And I'm going to do what it takes to win. Amen? So, every one of us have been born with gifts. Every one of us have been born with callings. Amen? Have you ever wondered what you might have missed out on? Why? Because the only thing, that, the only achievement you get in life is the one that you press towards. And it requires some things on your side for you to get to it. All right. Can we go, go through? I got a few statements. Sometimes I like to, I, I really believe God inspires me before I get here. <laughs> and there's some statements I, I write out. and I just want to read some of these statements to you. It's not because I don't know them. It's just because I, I, I feel like Sometimes I'm inspired to write too, okay? So we're, we're, gonna, uh, we're gonna look at pressing here this morning. To go beyond physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional opposition to gain a prize, okay? So I was thinking about this and I was reminded of this statement. I think it was, I think I heard John Maxwell say it or something, but I looked it up and it was actually Willie Davis, which he won five NFL titles and two Super Bowls. He probably played some junior high basketball in there too and learned the press. But, but he said this, and I thought this was interesting. He said, the road to success runs uphill. It's never going downhill. You know, part, one of the great deceptions I believe that our, that our society is going through right now is that you just have to give people things for them to be fulfilled. That's not life. You know, I, so last year this time, I didn't know COVID was coming. It was already here, you know, but um, I was getting ready to climb a mountain. I don't know if y'all remember that or not. That was an event for me. I turned 60 shortly after that, and so I was just kind of, here, 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 to the, to the 60. And I, and I climbed this mountain in uh, Africa. Tallest mountain in Africa. I climbed that thing. And, um, you know, there's two different, well, there's different ways you can get to the top of a mountain. This mountain was like 19,000 feet high. Yeah. Now, first, I, I actually climbed it once before in 1985. And when I climbed it back then, my brother and I, I was closer to Luke's age at that point, and maybe a little bit closer to his weight, even. <laughs> so my brother and I, when we scaled this mountain, we did it in three days, up and down. This time, we did it in seven days, up and down. And what I, I, I was thinking, oh, poof, Man, what, I'm going to have to hang out with all these people going slow and everything. But we didn't just go straight up the mountain, we went around the mountain, and we got to see a lot of beautiful stuff. But you know what? Everything that you're going to achieve when you do it that way requires going up. And, and something they told us is that if you just go slow, you can do it. Just go slow. If you go slow enough. And I was amazed at some of the people on, on, on our team. I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. <laughs> you know? But here's the thing. If, if you do it the way it's, it's planned for you to do it, you can climb that thing. And, and, and you sit back, and you're, you're probably sitting back thinking, oh, I wouldn't climb that thing. <laughs> Why well, climb that mountain? Well, there's something about climbing a mountain. You get to the top of, there were glaciers up there. We got up there right when the sun's coming up. 
and again, I still, still might not be persuading you. I don't, I don't know. But, <laughs> but you know what? You could take a helicopter to the top of that thing. You say, I was on the top of that too. But did you climb it? Was it just given to you? You could drive a car maybe up there. I don't know. But no, I, I climbed it. <laughs> I climbed that thing. And you know why I climbed it is because, that, get a little bit spiritual, but God gave me some legs. And he gave me, he gave me a will. He gave me an opportunity to do something. That, but every, I'll tell you what, that last morning we got up at, at one o'clock in the morning and we climbed for five hours straight. We went almost 5,000 feet up and it's like straight up almost. It's in the middle of the, it's dark. And you get there right when the sun's coming up. And I had a, a blistering headache because you don't have any oxygen. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not fun. My legs are crying out. My head's crying out. You know? And everybody else was feeling the same thing. But what are you doing? You're getting to the top. And all I got was this little paper that said... <laughs> Oh, I took some pictures and stuff, you know. <laughs> but that was Kilimanjaro for me. But anything that you achieve of greatness in your life is going to require pressing past something like that. And there's opposition to it. There's an easy way. There's the gentleman's way. But you don't win with the gentleman's way. There's a scripture that says, uh, what is it? The kingdom of God is, um, huh? It's the one that says, in the violent, take it by force. Um, it's what? Suffers violence. The kingdom of God suffers violence, yeah. And the violent, the ones that know the press, the ones that aren't just waiting for God to show up, say, God's in me. He's showing up because I am. Amen? They take it. They don't just wait for God to show up. They take it. Don't you like what David did against the giant? He said, I'm going out there. I'm going out there because God's in me. And when that giant sees me, he's going to encounter God. A little boy put the whole army to shame. Right? All right. I need to move on. Here's my statements. All right. For a life to have meaning, it will require pressing through challenges, pain, and obstacles. The greater the pressing, the greater the meaning, significance, and reward of that life. Okay? Though all have gifts freely given as a potential, it's only when pressing is applied that the reward of those gifts is experienced. You wonder how many more musicians there might be. Athletes. It is the gift that is grasped, defended, and fought for that takes the form of a reward. They don't just fall in your lap. The greater the perception of the prize, the greater the willingness to sacrifice for it. Now, this is very interesting to me, since I, especially since I've come to, to uh, Texas, because um, 
What Texas has that I think is interesting, they have some great bands. The, the high schools. But do you ever watch these kids out there practicing in the summertime on a black, you know, blacktop, asphalt? That's hot. And these are kids that you have a hard time getting to take the trash out. And if you were to tell them that here's the thing, son, you're going to go out on that blacktop and you're going to play that horn. And when they tell you to do this, you're, you know what? They'd say, no, I'm not. But somehow they get in those kids vision that this is cool. And they'll do stuff that's, in my perception, Kilimanjaro's easier than band in Texas. It's a lot more, it's a lot longer commitment, you know. But if you can get somebody to see the reward as being enough, they'll go through anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these, these SEAL trainers, these guys that go through SEAL training, you know, some of the stuff they go through, they, always, they have something before them. It's a prize. Yeah. And they're going to press through. What, what SEALs learn to do is to never listen to their flesh. Right. Always look at the prize. And they have to go through all this training because you know what? You need to train to get to be a presser. It's like we had in high school or in basketball. You know what? That, that, that training that we had to learn to overcome the press, man, it, we, we upped our, our training completely. It was a lot harder. If you're going to be a presser, you're going to be a trainer. You're not just going to take things as they come to you. Inhibitors of pressing. Can we just look at these real quick? Laziness. Ignorance. You don't even know that there's a potential. What does that come from? A lot of times, a lot of times we're occupied with things of this world. We don't even know there's something worthwhile for us. Discouragement. You've tried something, didn't work. This is one of the biggest challenges. I thought about this with regard to I, I play the guitar, or I I make noise on a guitar anyway. Oh. But there's, there's still songs I haven't played perfect. Songs I've written that I haven't played perfect. But you know what? I keep working on them. I keep, I don't know. There has to be this vision, this, this excitement. As long as that excitement is, is still alive, there's, there's a pressing to, to, to move towards that perfection. There's a reward that you see in that. That draws you to it. You say, I'm going to keep doing what it takes. Now, when I was in, when, when I was in college, man, I committed. I, I practiced like five hours a day at least. You know, and you're doing scales for an hour and a half or two hours. And you're doing arpeggios. And you're doing all this. Why? Because that's what it takes. And you know what? You're not out. When I, the school I went to, they, tried, they, they pledged me to a, a fraternity, you know. And I... I think I started to go to one of their parties or something. I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. I have to practice. I came here to go to school. You have to press past the discouragement. You have to press past those things and know, I'm not going to do those other things. Even though I feel like I haven't achieved it yet, I'm motivated even more 
to go towards it. Hopelessness. That kind of goes along with discouragement, doesn't it? It's like, eh. All right. I'm, I might not ever go to the moon. I might not ever be a brain surgeon. But, but you know what God has made for me to be? I discover that in him. And my hope comes alive. Faded memories. I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of times you know, I, I refer to a, a, a New Year's resolution. Why do you do a New Year's resolution? Because it's fresh. You, you heard somebody give a presentation on it. You're motivated. You're excited about it, right? And I don't know about you, but even emotional things, their their impact upon you, their ability to motivate you, fade as the memory of them fades. I don't know if you've experienced this before, but for me, like if I'm having a relational issue where I'm, I'm just completely oppressed by something I've experienced, you know, I found that if I can just let enough time go by... <laughs> I'm not quite as oppressed as I was, right? It's the way with anything. If you're not keeping it fresh, if you're not, why did we, why did we have communion this morning? Because we keep the memory fresh. Why? Because we need to keep pressing towards the promise that that memory applies in our life. Diversions. Other things in our life. And it's not bad to have some other things in our life. But they will completely separate you from doing that thing. You, you, uh, you find anybody that's gone uphill to get their prize, they haven't been doing what everybody else is doing. They've set aside their life to do this. No, if I'm going to press, I'm going to have to, well, we'll see this, okay. Procrastination. It, don't you love procrastination? If you just wait long enough, you don't have to do it at all. You know? <laughs> Doesn't that come in handy sometimes? All right. If you're not strong enough, you just won't be able to do it. You have to develop some strength, don't you? And if you're isolated, if you're alone, there's a lot of things you will never do alone. Either because you need somebody else's hands or you need their encouragement. And you, you know, also, isolation keeps you from saying something that will inspire you. You know, I was talking with my wife last night, and I, I just kind of let her talk, and I could tell the more she talked, the more she was getting fired up. Aren't you glad for help meets? Sometimes I want to just call her up and say, meet me, help. <laughs> meet me with some help. <laughs> but what I, what I found out is that when I let her meet me with some help, it helps her. Isolation isn't just something that you take upon yourself. It's something you keep from somebody else. And when you keep from somebody else, you're depriving yourself. Did you follow that? Okay. So you need, these are the inhibitors of pressing. Well, why aren't you pressing? Well, these are some of the reasons anyway. Can you see that? All right, can we look on here? So here's some requirements for pressing. Don't you like that? You're getting some clues here. You're getting some help, all right? You have to focus on the prize and the process that will get you there. You have to focus on that thing. How many have driven? Oh, okay. Let me, let me show you something here real quick. My wife is in the back seat. 
she is. It's just bitter stuff. Oh, you couldn't. <laughs> you can't see anything. That's kind of the point, I guess. Because <laughs> none of us could see anything. <laughs> so, uh, so I was on the, on the passenger side looking directly down at the edge and telling him how far we were away from the edge so that we wouldn't go off either edge. And um, sometimes he's saying, I, I, I'm saying, man, you're, you're going left. You're going left. He said, I can't be going left. I said, you're going left. <laughs> so I, you need some help sometimes, don't you? Right? You get disoriented. And you have to focus on what the answer is, not what you think it is. You have to focus on what's going to get you there. And sometimes you don't look any further than the side of the road, right? It's what's close to you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Isn't that good? All right, let me just keep going here. You got to let go of the past. To press forward, you can't be looking back. And both of these times I'm thinking about it, it's really hard to drive when you're not looking at the road. <laughs> it's hard to, to drive when you're looking in the back seat. Information, understanding, wisdom. This is what we got last week, wasn't it? You're going to have to have some information. You're going to have to know something about where you're going to press towards. You're going to have to know the strategies. You're going to have to know how to apply them. And, and, and they can't just be information. How, how many know that, I mean, this, happen, this happens with, uh, with music. You can't just know the information about it. You have to internalize it. It has to be something that becomes a part of who you are. It's coming out of you. This is a requirement for pressing. What did we do over and over again in basketball? We ran through drills. This is what happens. This is how you defeat it. But you just don't know about it. You can't, I can't sit back again with my cool drink on the bench and say, oh, I got it. Put me in. <laughs> if I've never been out there doing it, right? You have to have fresh vision. That's where you're, you're seeing this more than just in your past. It's in front of you now. That inspiration, that thing that got you there in the first place, right? Then you get strong. You get strong in it. You build up your muscles in it. And... And then there's encouragement in community. I already referred to that. Why are we in a body of Christ? So we can be encouraged. How many have felt the, the inspiration, the motivation, with somebody just telling you something nice? My wife did that last night. I thought, ah, oh, that's just what I needed to hear. Meet me with some more help. Okay. <laughs> it was so nice. Oh, can we do that again? <laughs> That's almost as good as a kiss. I mean, that's. <laughs> so God's promise for us in the coming year, it is persecution. How many like that? <laughs> Did you know that there's no reward without persecution? Now, now let's look at what I mean by persecution. Persecution is anytime your flesh is being put down in order to get, acquire something. We've been talking about this. We're talking about pressing. And this is a promise from God. 2 Timothy 3.12, yay, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, is that enough reward for you? Because if it's not, you're just going to sit back on the bench. You're going to do the gentlemanly thing. You're going to not even go there. Somehow, this has to become, I want to win in this. I want to live godly. 
Got to find out what that even is. Otherwise, you're ignorant, right? Shall suffer persecution. Now, look, look at this word, persecution. Dioko. I'm not a real Greek scholar or anything like that, but it's kind of interesting what this word is because we're going to get to it again here in just a minute, okay? Now, if you go and you look through the, you know, in, in, in the uh, Strong's, it shows you how many times this same word is used through the Bible. I think it's 48 times total. But look at how many times this is used as, as the word persecuted or persecution or something associated with that. Persecuted, 13. Follow. Persecute. Persecutist. Persecution. Suffer. But I don't want to suffer. Well, you don't get to the top of the mountain then. Because that comes. If you want to get to the top, if any kind of success, the road leads up. This, and, and his yoke is easy. His burden is light. But it, your flesh isn't telling you that. Is this okay? <laughs> Followed, after, ensue, given, persecuting. And finally, our word for the day. Press. Okay. Dioko, can we just look at this real quick? Okay, the Thayer's definition is to make, to run or flee, put to flight, drive away. That sounds like my basketball experience. To run swiftly in order to catch a person or thing, to run after, to press on figuratively of one who in a race runs swiftly to reach the goal, to pursue in a hostile manner. In any way, whatever, to harass, trouble, molest one to persecute, to be mistreated, suffer persecution on account of something without the idea of a hostility, to run after, follow after someone, metaphorically to pursue, to seek after eagerly, earnestly endeavor to acquire, part of speech, verb. This is something you're going to do. Now, what I think is interesting about this is once you learn the press in basketball, not only do you get pressed, but you get pressed. You become a presser. Amen? So I like this. Anybody that's going to live godly, they're going to be persecuted in their flesh. There has, this has to happen. You don't, you don't get to enjoy the promises of God without denial and persecution of your flesh, but the reward is so great. It is so great. You live victoriously as a result of this. Amen? Don't you like scriptures like uh, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus? How does that happen? You got to get out on the battlefield. You take, have to take a blow or two. How many have taken a blow or two? You know, one of the challenge, one of the things that, that, that is is challenging in this is when you fail yourself and you take on the identity of failure, it becomes an oppression that's very hard to overcome, isn't it? And you don't even want to try anymore because it hurts too much to even try. But there's a victory. He that overcomes, amen? There's a reward for that. Christ has come. Just like each one of us have been given a gift, a natural gift that we can, if we attain to it, if we press towards it, if we actually set our life, you know, if you just practice for an hour a day, you could be accomplished on different instruments. Not just one. 
If he just did it for an hour a day. But no, we got all this other stuff we got to do. We got to check Facebook, you know. We got to do all this other stuff. God's calling us. He said, you know, just give me an hour a day. <laughs> we can do some stuff here. This stuff is so much greater than anything else we've pressed towards. All of us have pressed towards things in our life, and all of us have drawn back from things that could have been rewarding, but they hurt too much. Amen? <laughs> this isn't too much fun, is it? But I'll tell you what, I feel compelled to say these things because there is victory for us this coming year. And you know what? There was victory in this past year, too. A lot of people are thinking, oh, that was just terrible. But you know what? I discovered God like I never have before in this past year. Why? Because there was some opposition, and I pressed through it. Amen? What we've been freely given in Christ never changes. That, that goal, that mark, that end result never goes away. The only thing that changes is us. Has anybody ever run a race? The only way that, 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 uh, that mark, that, that final line goes, gets closer is what? When you move, right? There's a goal in Christ that only gets closer when we press towards it. Romans eleven twenty nine. For the free gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means what God has given you, you never have to change course for it to change. For it to change. But for you to acquire it, you have to repent. When we say repentance, that means I'm going to have to change from where I'm going right now to, to a different direction. The gift never changes. The calling never changes. God has a huge call on each one of your lives. It will not change. The only way for it to change is for you to change. Now, this is sounding like works, isn't it? You say, well, no, the grace is... No, the grace doesn't make you do anything. It enables you to do things. Amen? Did you know the grace will cover all of your sin? But it won't keep you from sinning. Not unless you yield to it. Amen? Just Okay. To experience the reward of what Jesus pressed through for us, there will be a pressing on our part. And so we get this example, and this is where we, uh, I was inspired by this. It's, it's, from, it's from Paul. Don't you like to have an example that kind of helps us see what this is? Now, Paul was an amazing guy. He did everything he knew to do to be right according to the law. He was, his, his lineage was good. You know, he was in the right family. He did all the right things. He, he was doing what he was supposed to do. And then he gets into the ministry, evangelical ministry. God knocks him off a horse and he gets to see Jesus in a light. And he, wow, he makes a complete change. And now he goes into the ministry and, and he goes around and travels all over the place. And the, the, the culmination of his in ministry ends up in prison. And he, he was even prophesied to not go there. Wouldn't you like to have somebody prophesy and you say, I'm going there anyway? Okay, I just kind of did that a little bit this morning. If you're going to live through this next year, 
you're going to be persecuted. It's like, that's kind of like what Paul got. He said, if you go to Rome, you're going to get persecuted, right? He said, well, I'm going there anyway. Why? Because there was a purpose that unless he pressed through that thing that looked like it was impossible for him, he wouldn't have provided for us what God designed for him. He couldn't have done it if he was traveling all the time. He couldn't, done it if, he couldn't have done it if he was making tents. He did all kinds of other things. But he said, I leave all that stuff that I could lean on for my, for my comfort, for my security, and I press. <laughs> I take what I've become in Christ, and I take it in a way that nobody could tell me the Holy Spirit told me to do this. Amen? So Philippians 3.10, he's in prison, and he's, and he's writing this, this letter, and he says, I want to know Christ. Isn't this amazing? He's a scholar. He loves to influence people. He loves to, he wrote all these precious letters to, to, to help people. And you, could have, you, you would have thought that that was his motivation. And he was very good at it, wasn't he? I'll bet you he was a good tent maker. He was good at a lot of things. But what was his overriding goal? And he says this, I want to know Christ. It's kind of like, remember what David said, the same thing. <laughs> One thing have I desired, that will I seek after. Well, David, you did a lot of other stuff. Yeah, but it was one thing I desired. There was one goal that I was going for. This is where we're challenged, I believe, in the church is we want to become balanced about this and balanced about that. There's no balance if there's not an overriding goal of him. Everything hangs underneath that. Amen? There's no equality if you want to have him at all. If you're going to press at all, you can't divide your pressing. You only have so many resources, and you put them all in the category of knowing Christ. This is Paul's example anyway. Wouldn't you think that would be a good one? Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his what? Sufferings. What did Jesus do? He pressed past things that would have kept him from acquiring the promise. Now, we don't have to suffer the same way Christ did, but we have to deny flesh. Amen? To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now that sounds weird. That sounds like he's talking about us having to die so we can believe that we're going to be re resurrected. But you know what he's actually talking about? He said, so I can attain to what Christ has risen from the grave to acquire for me. We talked about this in communion already this morning. But we, Jesus died so that we could live, didn't he? And we can nod our heads and everything else, but we do not have a clue what that totally means until we start pressing towards it. And every time we press, our flesh is going to say, no, no, I like the gentleman's version. I don't want to win that bad to let go of that. Right? And so somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead, Jesus rose from the grave. It's a powerful story. But it's deep, it's wide, it's high for us. 
and you only discover it when you press. All right, we'll see what he has to say about it. Not that I have already obtained all this. Isn't this something? Man, we gotta, we gotta get to the point where, man, we have an understanding of God, but it, man, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just the bottom of the mountain. I'll tell you what, once you've hiked the mountain, I'm thinking about, what can I do now, right? I said, not, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. How many know Christ? How many, how many appreciate what he's done for you? I mean, it's amazing. But man, we haven't, we haven't acquired him yet. Not in the totality. Not of his resurrection. Are you with me? But what do I do? I press. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Isn't that an amazing statement? There's nothing we can do in ourselves that will make it more real. It will just make it more ours. We have to press towards it. Amen? I'm guaranteeing you there is an opportunity for you to get in the game this coming year. That's where the victories are won. Not just listening to some things on, on YouTube and, and kind of hoping they're right. And No, get in the game. Throw some blows. Intercept some passes. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm talking to myself this morning. This is exactly what I need to hear. Okay. Are you with me? Can we get just a little bit more? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. I go out of 2020. 2020 does not define who I am. It's only a part of where I've come from that's prepared me for where I'm going. And now I go pressing. I do not consider myself to take, have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of this then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, you're wrong, he's basically saying, right? That too, God will make clear to you if you hang around him long enough, right? Because what I'm saying is true. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Here's, here's what we have to take confidence in going into this next year. We already have what it takes. We're not believing for God to do something else. no. The mark is already there. The promise is already there. The, the, the uh, goal is already there. We make the adjustments. Amen? Now, I saw this when I, when I was reading this. Says, because the mark or goal of Paul's focus was not contained in this life, this is a key for us. Because we all have aspirations. We all want to accomplish something. We're made to accomplish something in this life. But for Paul, because Paul's overriding mark, his overriding goal was not contained in this life, it enabled him to fulfill his greatest potential in this life. 
We're always shortchanging our full potential when we put it in the category of something we can accomplish in this life. That's why we have to trust God when it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Monetarily, relationally, any other way. Because until, until, until we're looking past this life as our mark, as our goal. When we start to look into eternity as our mark and our goal. It allows us to say no to the flesh when it's, it's resisting our potential of pressing towards what we're gifted to do. We'll deny ourselves to do what we're gifted to do because it seems to be above us or too hard. But what Paul did, he said, I'm, I'm pressing towards the resurrection from, this is an eternal thing that I'm pressing towards. And because of that, nobody, he couldn't have got this wisdom from anybody else. Because, because his, his goal was above anything in this life, it wasn't to minister to the most people in the world. It wasn't to, to have the most converts. It wasn't any of those kinds of things which you would have thought would have been on the calendar of a minister like that, right? No, his goal was to know Christ. And to pursue him above anything else. And because that was, he was able to deny his flesh. And the warnings that he was going to be beaten, he was going to be shipwrecked. He was going to be left for dead and everything else. And because he was able to listen to that, his greatest potential was to write some letters. Does that sound like sense at all? And we are changed today because he didn't allow his mark to be confined to this life. I, I tell you what, this is a good revelation if you'll hang on to it. Because there's, there's potentials in each one of our life. There's a, there's a goal that God wants to take us to. We might, be, we might be going there. I'm not saying nobody is. But there's a necessity of saying, no, I'm going to press towards knowing Christ above anything else. Okay? Are you, are you with me? We're good. Pressing has a promise of victory and reward. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. This is still back when he wasn't in prison, okay? So, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. What does that sound like? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pressing. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You have to hang on to this sometimes because sometimes it'll seem like maybe it is. It'll seem like maybe what you've done already is not enough, that you're not appreciated. You haven't, you haven't accomplished anything. And you say, no, I, my goal is not all those things. My goal is to know Christ. So because of that, I'm going to hold on to what my goal is and I can let those other things go. Amen. And I'm going to trust God with those things that are, they're part of my heart. But my heart is, is with my God. Amen. So pressing to know Christ. How do we do this? Aren't you glad that God has a, has, gets involved in, in the goals and the marks in our life and, and, and he shows us how to do this? Can we just see some things that we can do? Do you want to be able to do this? Amen. Pressing to know Christ. What, what, what will we do? We'll draw near and I just want to do like three little things. You know, you can get more deep into this if you want, but we don't have, you know, you're hoping I don't go any deeper already, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> Draw near in worship 
humility, reverence, and declaration of faith. Now, this is what we're doing here today. We're, we're committing. I'll tell you what, just, just committing to be here among this body. What are we doing? We're not just, it's, it's not just an organization. This is a godly thing. Amen? But I challenge us to let this be uh, alive, to draw near to him. Man, we, I came for, for God today. And he said, okay, you came for me? You're gonna find me in each other. Amen? You're gonna, you're gonna find me when you come together. I don't know about you, but I found God this morning in a way that I wouldn't have if I'd have stayed home. Watch something on TV. Amen? Coming together to worship. Being humble and saying, I need God. Letting his presence become a lot. Now, what I'm talking about here is just, I mean, th this is just the core of your spirit. This thing inside of you that just responds to an amazing God. It needs to be emotional. Guys, it needs to be emotional. Actually, Larry, you're pretty good with the emotional. Okay. <laughs> but I like to cry sometimes. You know what I'm saying? This needs to happen. If it's going to be alive or else it's just a distant memory. I was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. Gloriously. Oh, it was wonderful. What about now? Are you drawn close to him now? Because now is necessary if you're not going to get scored 100 points against you. Right? Because pressing requires intimacy with God. It begins here. Hebrews 10, 22 through 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now that faith word we're going to look at here in a second. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's happened when we draw near to him by the blood of Jesus? We're being prepared to press. Amen? We're not staying where we were. You have to make an advance to the throne of grace. That's pressing. You know, well, what about all this other stuff that I got going on? No, press to the throne of grace first. Make that your goal. Make that your mark. Trust God with those other things. Amen. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. What is that? Without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. What is the profession of our faith? Now, we, I, I, we profess Christ. Don't we, we can say everybody can say Jesus is Lord, right? Well, once you say Jesus is Lord, what are you including in that? He's Lord over my body. He's Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my mind. And, and, and so now what comes out of my mouth needs to confirm what his word has said about my life. Amen? So now when I'm going through a storm, when I'm going through the snowstorm, what do I have to? I have to reach out. I have to take hold of what God has said about my life. And I have to hold. Where's God? He's waiting for you to hold. Onto what he's already given you. Is that right? He says. I've made it possible for you to come right into my presence. I've given you the, my words. Over what you're going through right now. Now it's up to you. To take hold of those things. Amen. Amen. It's totally up to you. And it's totally within our, our ability. 
Amen? All right, are you, are you good? I like this. I got this revelation too. It just came to me. I'm sure I'm not the first one, but I thought this was really cool. Faithfulness to the same word God is faithful to regarding who we are in Christ. Don't you, aren't you, don't you like to sing, great is thy faithfulness, oh God my Father. What's he faithful to? He's faithful to his word, isn't he? Aren't you glad God is faithful to his word? He says something, he does it. Did you know he expects the same from us? Not our word, his word. He expects us to be faithful to his word. We want him to be faithful. He's saying the only way his word becomes applied in our life is when we become faithful to his word. Isn't this good? I thought that was really cool. Can you say really cool with me? Okay, really cool. <laughs> Philemon 1.6. That the communication of thy, thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Does it say that you're trying to get in you? No, it says it's in you already. And what are you doing? That the communication, so that what you represent to the world what, you, what your life actually demonstrates is not defeat, being overcome. All right, I'll use it one more time. Having 100 points scored against you. But you're communicating the victory that Jesus rose out of the grave to win for you. Not just for him. Amen? How does that done? That's by saying, okay, I'm going to acknowledge what God said is accomplished in Christ for me. And now my life begins to communicate that reality. As if it's not just a, notice, a, a notion that would be nice. It's a reality I live. Now does this sound good for the coming year? I think this sounds pretty good. But there's no way around the opposition, opposition you're going to come up against. And there's no way around the victory that you're going to have when you go through that, when you reach the top because you've been going up all the time. You're, you don't say, man, I just want to go down now. That is kind of the cool thing about climbing Kilimanjaro is you go down real fast. <laughs> there's a part that actually has uh, volcanic rock that you can actually almost kind of skate down, you know, and it's, it's real steep. Anyway, <laughs> when we all get to heaven, what a day of going down the mountain that will be. All right. So we want to draw near. We want to draw near into the presence of God. Can we just get these things? Can, can, can we make this? If we're going to press towards this next year, these are the skills. These are the things that we do. We draw near to the presence of God. I just challenge you. Talk to God continually through the day. Talk to him in the spirit. Amen. When you're going through something, talk to him about it. Even if it might sound like you're not being very respectful. Be honest. Amen? And then ask him for the answer. Right? But don't just stay in that, in that position of saying, God, help me. No, Because he, he's going to help you with his word. And you take his word. And now you hang on to that word. Amen? You don't just... Hang, you don't just say, yeah, that's a good thought. No, you put it in your mouth. You make it something that you're proclaiming. It doesn't do any good for an officer to sit in his car 
and watch all the speeders go by. He's got to make some noise, doesn't he? He's got to go and stop them and start saying something to them. You're not going to do that. I'm charging you for that, right? We've been given authority. We have to take our authority. But then, so we draw near with intimacy. We take hold of the word he's given, and then we begin to activate a prayer life ourselves. Amen? Luke 18.1. Also, Jesus told them a parable to effect that they ought always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. Prayer, calling out to God, is something that is, is kind of like on the, on the basketball court. You never stop. You never stop. If you're not in one position, you're in another position. You're, you're, you're ready to accomplish something that's defeating your foe because you're not setting back on the bench. You're not waiting for him to come to you. You're going to him. Does this make sense? This is what prayer is. So this example that Jesus gives is a, is a widow that, that's going to a judge, and the judge is, isn't even right. He's, he's making the point that this, this is just a... A common thing that happens. If you are persistent in something, if you're pressing in something long enough, you're going to get there. If you really believe it. If you really believe God is the great almighty God and you can go right to his face and talk to him, wouldn't you think you'd be doing that a little bit more often? Like maybe all the time? So this parable, this widow does that. She says, I've had people treating me, you know, they need to be judged. Justice needs to be wrought here. She keeps pestering him. He says, I don't want to take care of you. It's no big deal. She, she pesters him until he finally gives in, takes care of the situation. Right? Prayer becomes something that you are continually pressing with, right? Okay, I'm going to come back to the end of that parable here in just a second, but I want to go to Hebrews 4.16. Are you good right now? All right. Say, I'm good right now. I'm going to be good for just a few more. Okay. <laughs> Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So there's this necessity when, we're, when we are going to his presence that we also go with a, something to declare to him. You have not because you ask not. Now, what are, we, what are we doing when we do that, when we go to his throne of grace we, for, in that time of need? We are being faithful to his word. Amen? Like we already said. And then, this is what God likes. What makes God happy? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, you're pleasing God. Luke 18, 8. I tell you, this is the end of that parable I just told you. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What is faith? That's taking what God said and who he is and being faithful to it. Amen? Pressing. This year has great potential. It has mountains to climb. It has great accomplishment. It has demonstrations of the Holy Spirit that will be ours when we press towards them. Amen? All right. Pressing will be intimacy. 
confession and communication. Can we be challenged in this? Amen. Guaranteed persecution, but also guaranteed overcoming when we press.